I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. Major Ian Thomas wrote a little small book called The Indwelling Life of Christ. And he makes a statement in this book that I want to read as we begin this morning because it really sets a tone for where we're going as we look at the scriptures in just a moment. Here's what he says. It is not a matter of our doing our best for him, but of Christ being his best in us. All that he is and all that we are. The Christian life is nothing less than the life which he lived then, lived now by him in you. I moved to the city of Las Vegas in 2005. I was 23 years old. And when I moved here, I was about as passionate as a person could be in a new city, in a new ministry opportunity at a new church, a new stage in my life. And when I got here early on, I made it a point to sit down with almost every member of the pastoral team and I asked them a list of questions. Ask them about things that are unique to the culture here at Hope. Uh, ask them some things about the city of Las Vegas that were just important to me. But one of the things I asked every pastor was to tell me a little bit about how do we as a church encourage people to grow spiritually? Like when we talk to people about their relationship with God, what do we talk about? How do we unpack that? What do we point people to in terms of growing spiritually? And I sat down with the first pastor and asked him, so tell me about that. And he said immediately, man, you need to get your hands on our study through John chapter 15 and listen to it because that's really going to clarify for you how we see a relationship with God. It's like, okay, that's great. Went to the second pastor, asked him the same question. Talk to me a little bit about at Hope Church, how do we encourage people to grow spiritually and he said, you need to check out John chapter 15 and listen to the series that we just finished. And I went to another pastor and asked him the same question. I got the same response. And every single pastor that I asked, I said, how, how do we teach people about what it means to grow spiritually? And all of them said, you need to spend some time in John chapter 15. So I did that. I took about six months and I listened to our study through that series as a church Spent some time just in my own time with God processing through John chapter 15. And I'll be honest with you, in my first six months in Las Vegas, God radically changed my life through my study of John chapter 15. 
So much so that I would say this, that when I showed up in Las Vegas, my thought was, my role is to do something great for God. But after spending months and months in John chapter 15, I now realize, and then I realized, my role is not to do something great for God. But a great God desires to do something through me. Major difference. And as a church family right now, we're studying through the passage of Scripture that God used eight years ago to drastically change my heart and change my perspective. We're studying through John chapter 15 in a series that we're calling Lessons from the Vineyard. And to really get your head around this passage, it's very important to know kind of what was going on. We are moments away from Jesus being led to the cross and being crucified. And he's spending his last few moments with his disciples. He had just washed their feet. He had just given them the Lord's Supper and they left the upper room and began walking through the city. And we don't know exactly how it happened or when it happened. But at some point on that walk, he used a metaphor something they were very, very familiar with to teach them about their relationship with him. He begins to talk to them about a vineyard. He begins to talk to them about the vine and the branches and to reveal to them on a deeper level what it means for them to walk in a relationship with him. And last Sunday, when we kicked off this series, we wrestled with this question. What is fruit in the life of a believer? Jesus is speaking around terms of agriculture. And he starts to talk to his disciples about bearing fruit. And so we spent last Sunday wrestling with the question, what is fruit in the life of a believer? Over and over again in John chapter 15, you see this phrase, bear fruit. And Jesus makes it very clear that bearing fruit is the defining mark in the life of a believer. And it's the only way that you and I can glorify God is through bearing fruit. So as we study through this passage, we understand it's really important that we know what fruit is and how it can be produced So that we can bring glory to God. And we looked at a definition of fruit last week that hopefully brought some clarity to you about exactly what that is. Now, once again, as we study this passage, we have to think like farmers. We have to think vine and branches. And in an agricultural context, what is fruit? Fruit is simply the life of the vine being pressed out through the branches. So spiritually speaking, here's the way that we've defined fruit in this series. The life of Jesus in me being lived through me. That's fruit. The life of Jesus inside of us being lived through us. Now, as you study throughout this passage, here's what you see. That although Jesus mentions bearing fruit multiple times in John chapter 15, there is no command in this passage for you and I to bear fruit 
on our own. And here's why. Because we can't bear fruit on our own. This is so critical to understanding this passage. My flesh and your flesh will never bring glory to God. We can't work hard enough. We can't try hard enough. There's no list of things we can do or no list of things we, sh we don't do that will ever in and of ourselves bring glory to God. Our flesh will not bring glory to God, but the life of Jesus will always bring glory to God. So what is fruit? The fruit is the life of Jesus in us that always brings glory to God, being lived out through us, the life of the vine, Christ, being pressed out through the branches. That was what we came to last week as we concluded uh, week one of this series. So if you have a Bible this morning, look with me in John chapter 15. And I want to read for us the first eight verses in this chapter. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put these verses on the screen for you so that you can follow along with us. Here's what the Bible says. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit... He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Here's the question for this morning. What is the believer's role in bearing fruit? If fruit is the defining characteristic, the defining mark of a believer... It's a lifestyle characteristic and the only way that God is glorified through us. What is our part as it relates to bearing fruit? I want you to think for just a second. If you were to have to answer the question, what must I do in order to bear fruit? What would you say? Not that we're answering out loud this morning, but if just in your heart and in your mind, if you had to answer the question, what must I do in order to bear fruit, what would you say? Well, for a lot of people, the immediate answer that surfaces is perform or try or do things at the church or try my best. And over and over again, we give answers like that. But if you look at the text, 
There's only one command that is given to us in John chapter 15, and it's the answer to that question. What must I do? What's my role in terms of bearing fruit? Here's the answer. Abide in Christ. You see it over and over and over again in the text. The Bible says, abide in me. The only thing the branch is commanded to do is to cling to the vine so that the life of the vine may be pressed out through the branches in order to bear fruit that glorifies the Father. Jesus makes a very significant statement in verse 5. He says, apart from me, apart from the vine, you, the branch, can do nothing. Now for us, we hear a statement like that and here's what we think. Well, he's talking about the really big things like start a church or go on a mission trip. No, this word nothing is actually a double negative in the Greek language and it's written that way for emphasis. It should literally be said, apart from me, you cannot do nothing. It literally means, apart from the vine, the branch can do absolutely nothing. Now, we're going to talk about this in just a moment when we talk about how. But one of the ways that we abide is through communication with God called prayer. And I read a statement this week that, honestly, it stopped me. And it kind of shook me a little bit. And I want to read it for you as we think about this reality that apart from him, we can do nothing. Listen to this statement by John Piper. Prayer is the translation into a thousand different words of a single sentence. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And he says this. Oh, how we need to wake up to how much nothing we spend our time doing. Apart from prayer, all our scurrying about, all our talking, all our studying amounts to nothing. For most of us, the voice of self-reliance is 10 times louder than the voice bells that tolls for the hours of prayer. The voice cries out, you must open the mail. You must take the call. You must write the sermon. You must prepare for the board meeting. You must go to the hospital. But the bell tolls softly. Without me, you can do nothing. I think especially for the church in America, there's a lot of things we're trying to do for the sake of the kingdom of God. But we're leaving the king out of it. The branches are trying to function without the life of the vine flowing through them. God can do more in an hour than you and I can do in a lifetime. Yet we've settled for a version of Christian living that says, I'll go to him for the big things, 
But I can accomplish the smaller things on my own. Yet the text says, apart from me, it's all worthless. Apart from me, you cannot bear fruit. His promise is that as I abide in him, by the power of his Holy Spirit, he'll bear fruit through my life. I want to show you this in the life of Jesus. In Mark chapter 3, the Bible says, And he went up on the mountain, meeting Jesus, and summoned those whom he himself wanted. And they came to him, meaning his disciples. And he appointed 12. Now listen to this. Here's the purpose of why he appointed 12. So that they would be with him. And then his, here's his purpose. And that he could send them out to preach. Now this word preach is not what you think about. When we hear the word preach, we think about what's happening here on Sunday morning. This word preach actually means to make public. So you see in Jesus' call to his disciples what their purpose was and then what he would do as a result of that. Their purpose was to be with him. Their purpose was to abide. His role was to make his life public through them. So here's a, here's a summary of that verse. His mission for them was that their lives would make public his life. But that was only possible as the overflow of their being with him. What's our role in bearing fruit? Abide in him. That's our part. Abiding in Christ is our role in bearing fruit. And as we abide in him, his life will be made manifest through us. So this morning, what I want to do to really help us understand this principle is I want to ask and answer two questions as it relates to abiding in Christ. And here's the first one. What does it mean to abide in Christ? What does it mean to abide in Christ? Well, to really understand abiding, you must understand the life-changing invitation that we have from Jesus. He's invited us into a life that is so much bigger than anything we could ever imagine. When Jesus first called his disciples, he said, follow me. He invited them into relationship. I want you to hear me say this morning, as we think about this principle of abiding, God desires a personal relationship with you. He said, follow me. He invited his disciples into relationship. He's inviting us into relationship. But in John chapter 15, he says something else. He says this phrase, abide in me. We see clearly from all four Gospels, he's invited us into relationship. We read in John chapter 15 that he's also invited us into daily fellowship. God desires daily fellowship with you. And here's why. Because our personal relationship with God is deepened 
as we experience daily fellowship with him. Andrew Murray said it this way, in very truth, there is nothing that moved you to come that does not plead with thousandfold greater force, abide in me. You did well to come, you do better to abide. Who would, after seeking the king's palace, be content to stand in the door when he is inviting, invited in to dwell in the king's presence? The invitation from God to a personal relationship and daily fellowship is the greatest pursuit and the most humbling invitation that there is. A.W. Pink said this when talking about abiding in Christ. To abide in him is to have sustained conscious communication with him. To abide in Christ signifies the constant occupation of the heart with him. A daily active faith in him which, so to speak, maintains the dependency of the branch on the vine. And the circulation of the life of the vine in the branch. So with all that being said, I want to give you a definition of what it means to abide. To abide in Christ means to live in fellowship with Jesus every moment of every day. To abide in him, our role in bearing fruit, means to live in fellowship with Jesus every moment of every day. Let's leave that up there for just a moment. Now you read that, and what you naturally want to do is put that in a box and say, okay, that's what I do for 30 minutes in the morning when I'm having a quiet time. Well, no, it's bigger than that. For other people, you read that and you think, oh, that's what I do at church on Sunday at 11 a.m. No, it's bigger than that. It's a moment-by-moment decision to live in fellowship with the God who's invited us into an intimate love relationship. That's this principle of abiding, and that's our role. That's unbelievable that God would invite you and I not just to check in at church on Sunday, not to just have an hour slot in the morning, but every moment of every day, you and I can experience fellowship with a God who is passionately in love with us and who desires to press his very life out through us. That's what it means to abide. Second question, how do I abide in Christ? Obviously, it's important to understand what it is. It's to live in fellowship with Jesus every moment of every day. But a bigger question this morning for us is how? Like practically, what does that look like for us as we move into a new week this week with a yearning to abide in him? How does that happen? Well, I want to spend the rest of our time sharing with you four practical suggestions as it relates to how you and I can abide in him. Here's the first one. 
First suggestion, be confident of your position in Christ. Be confident, be assured of your position in Christ. Our culture loves to measure people based on their performance. If you're good, you're accepted. If you're bad, you're an outcast. We see it with sports in the Olympics, in the NBA, in the NFL, Major League Baseball, soccer, hockey, you name it. We see it on television with shows like The Voice, The X Factor, American Idol. You're good, you're in. You're bad, you're an outcast. And here's what can happen ever so slightly for us in our culture. We can begin to think that it works the same way with God, but it doesn't. When you come into a relationship with Jesus, he rescues you out of the pit of death and transfers you from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And you are eternally a child of God. And your position before him is set and it is sealed. Your position before God is not based on your performance. It is based on who you are in Christ. And everything about abiding has to start here. Because if you have any uncertainty about your position, everything you do throughout the day will, will stress you out because you think your performance is making God's love go up or God's love go down. That's wrong. He loves you with an eternal kind of love. You are his child. And there is nothing you can ever do to change that. We must live with a confidence about our position as we approach the abiding fellowship we have with him on a daily basis. Andrew Murray said, on my part, abiding is nothing but the acceptance of my position, the consent to be kept there, the surrender of faith to the strong vine still to hold the branch. The Bible describes your new position as a child of God, as you being loved and accepted, holy and blameless, forgiven and free, spiritually alive and blessed, victorious and adopted into God's family, alive in Christ with an eternal purpose. That's who you are in him. And listen, your identity in him is not based on who you are. It is based on whose you are. And we must walk with that confidence or we'll never fully understand an abiding relationship with Jesus. We must have a confidence about our position in Christ. Here's a second practical suggestion. Be intentional about time alone with God. Be intentional to carve out space to be alone with your heavenly Father. There is no substitute for this discipline in the life of a believer. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, I want to read a verse in the message paraphrase. It says, Find a quiet, secluded place 
so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you'll begin to sense his grace. Listen, something changes in your heart when you begin to see time alone with God, not as something you have to do to earn God's love, but as an opportunity to deepen your relationship with him through moment by moment fellowship with him. So many people live with such a burden that if I miss my quiet time or my time alone with God for that day, that God's all of a sudden disappointed with me or mad at me. That's not the case. My position in Christ is sealed. But as I am intentional about time alone with God, here's what it does. It deepens the relationship. That's the whole purpose. And even though abiding in Christ is not confined to just intentional time with God in a 30 minute or hour block of time, everyone I've ever met who has truly understood abiding fellowship with God has also been very intentional about time alone with God throughout the day. Now, I know in a room like this, there are some people, and you have a really healthy rhythm of what it means to spend time with God. And that's awesome. Continue to do that because it's out of that relationship, it's out of that abiding fellowship with him that God wants to accomplish things through you. But also know there are people in this room and you've never really found a healthy rhythm. Maybe it's just finding the time. Maybe it's priority. I don't know what it is. But a next step for you Maybe to get some resources in your life that can help you as you try to carve out space to be alone with God. We've provided some resources on our website that you can go to on the, on the page for this series. We have playlists on there. We have devotionals you can read. We have recommended books. You can stop after service at our resource center, pick up some devotionals, pick up some of those things. That might be a next step for you. But as you really think about, okay, I want to abide, what's next? You need to be intentional about daily time with God. Here's a third suggestion. Be aware of his desire to be in constant fellowship with you. We're to live with an awareness of God's desire to be in constant fellowship with us. Have you ever been around somebody and you know they didn't want to be around you. Have you ever been there? Or have you ever been somewhere, a location, and you could, like, just by watching somebody, you knew that person didn't want to be in that location? A waiting room, the DMV, church. I see it every Sunday. Families will come in and either the husband or wife walk in and they're just ready for this. And about 10 feet behind them, the other spouse is like, they just don't want to be here. Have you ever been there? Listen, that's not how it is when it comes to your relationship with God. He wants to be with you. He wants to fellowship with you every moment of every day. He wants you to bring to him the big things, the small things, the things you're embarrassed about, the things you don't even understand. He says, bring those to me. 
In moment by moment fellowship, lay those before me. Cast those burdens before me. He invites us into that. And we must be aware of his desire to be in constant fellowship with us. I don't know what that may need to look like for you. I know it's very easy as you rush into a day to just not even think about it. For me, the awareness of his presence has been something I've really had to struggle through. One of the ways that I tried to make it happen early on when I was in college, in my car, I had verses of scripture on little cue cards that just reminded me of his presence. I had verses beside my bed. I had verses on my desk. Everywhere I could think about it, I had verses to remind me that as I go throughout my day, God desires fellowship with me. Another suggestion for you as you seek to abide, to live in fellowship with Jesus every moment of every day is to be aware of his desire to be in constant fellowship with you. I love what Rick Warren said. He said, everything you do can be spending time with God if he is invited to be a part of it and you stay aware of his presence. Be aware be aware of God's desire to be in constant fellowship with you. Well, here's a fourth and final suggestion. Be ready for the battle. Be ready for the battle. We are fooling ourselves if we think as a church we can begin to take this abiding principle serious and the enemy just sit by and not do anything about it. There is a battle going on. The Bible says we have an enemy, and here's his mission, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his purpose. That's his goal. And all of that is directed to you. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And as you begin to understand the abiding relationship you have with God, there's going to be attacks. There's going to be discouragement. There's going to be temptation. And in that moment... Don't think you have to pick up the, the work again and try harder or be more disciplined. Here's your response in the moment when the enemy attacks. Cling to the vine that is Jesus. Hold to the vine. Operate in moment by moment fellowship with him and abide in Christ. That's our role. That's all we can do. We bring nothing else to the table. We have no other effort that we can put forth except to abide, press in, and remain in the vine. As we continue next week, we're going to take two weeks and we're going to look at a really, really important question. What is the Father's role in bearing fruit? I mean, it's freeing today to understand that our role is to abide, to live in moment-by-moment -moment fellowship with Jesus. But what's the Father's role in this? And for two weeks, Pastor Vance is going to unpack the principles in John 15 as it relates to that question. Next week is my favorite week in this entire series. Be sure to be here as we wrestle with the question, what is the Father's role in bearing fruit? But our role what we've been commanded and called to do is to abide in the vine, to remain in him, 
And as we do that, he will produce fruit through us.